0: Welcome to Japan According to Akio. Everything you wanted to know Or didn't think you needed to know About Japan With me, your host, Akio, Living in Japan since 2004 And giving you the lowdown On what it's like to live in and around Tokyo Hey, what's up y'all Welcome to episode 73 Quality, quality episode If you look at the timing Pretty lengthy one uh, I'm fresh ready to go this time You know we, we talked about Graffiti I gave you some technology Innovation You know cultural in depth advice And things like that about Japan Also um, we finally got through the article that I, that I started last week And really gave a lot of different advice On how to deal with people in the cultural context I think it's good stuff for you guys um, Of course give it a listen You know um i'm gonna keep this intro short because the podcast is kind of lengthy this time so enjoy good afternoon from japan time it is good afternoon in japan i should say it's episode 73 of japan according to Akio. we've got an afternoon episode for you once on a rare occasion my dog is already looking at me quite annoyed that that i started talking he's like lounging on the floor and he's like oh shit this guy's like being all noisy again sorry dude gotta do what i gotta do but um no we're here for another hopefully interesting episode you know for you guys um i've got the house to myself oh my gosh which is amazing so you know i'm refreshed i'm relaxed this is like a true day off for me which doesn't come too often so uh i think we'll have a pretty good podcast for you i've got again it's going to be a continuation of what we did last time if you remember at the end of the episode i got into a bit of uh reverse engineering an article about reverse culture shock so I want to continue that. And I got a few other things that I just collected over the week. A couple of other uh, stories that I collected uh, throughout the week. Again, just another opportunity for me to expand on. Of course, I didn't I ain't really read the articles. I'm not going, I'm not going to lie, but um, I'm, I'm familiar with the stories. And I'll give it to you so that you can read the articles if you want. And you can kind of catch up what's going on here in Japan for your own enlightenment entertainment shits and giggles, whatever you want to call it. So um, yeah, we got a lot of stuff. So I just want to get right into things. How we're going to do it is I'm going to do the other two articles I have just really quickly because uh, I don't know how long the conversation is going to go related to those. And then I'll continue with, um, the reverse culture shock article and end up with there just because I think that's going to go the longest and yeah, the other two ones, they're they're not really that significant, but just anecdotal, uh, backing, kind of piggybacking on stuff I've talked about in previous episodes. So just giving you some examples of what the fuck I'm talking about. So (laughs) which one of these am I going to start with? Uh... Okay, I'll I'll start with this one, more business-oriented one. So this article is called The Company Behind the $16,000 AI Laundry Folding Robot Has Filed for Bankruptcy. I know that's a lot to unpack, right? (laughs) Well, once again, uh, it's it's on The Verge. It's from the website, The Verge. And the article is The Company Behind the $16,000 AI-powered Laundry Folding Robot filed for bankruptcy <laughs> I know you're like what is that like a gag title no it's it's a real article it's a real story from here in japan um <laughs> and for me, it kind of in the past i sorry uh if if you're a long time listener you've heard me talk about how uh innovation really works here and you know how kind of the the, the psyche works here that like uh, you know People really, like, innovate and sometimes over-innovate to the point of, like, complete unnecessary, you know, to a complete unnecessary point. And in some ways, it makes life here a lot more convenient because, the you know... Um, Things have been like small things are a lot of times improved on and refined to a point that it makes it very, very enjoyable. Something that you might even not even think about makes it extremely enjoyable. And um, sometimes it's just completely unnecessary. But it can also, in my opinion, sometimes hold back innovation and hold back um, the economy, the development of of the economy of of the nation here because people get kind of bogged down in shit sometimes you know they're too focused on the small stuff to really think about the pushing the envelope if you will and this article is just just another example of this which kind of gives me a chance to kind of piggyback on some other shit so that's why I chose it um the example I don't know if I talked about it before but Uh, I'll just bring it up again, just in case, like when I, I, uh, one clear example now I have in my mind is when I was talking with my wife about this same topic when we went to America. And, um, I, again, I really can't remember if I told this story before my apologies if I have, but, uh, basically when I went to America with my family in late January, early February of this year, you know, uh, we went, got a rental car and I got the hookup, homie at the rental car agency good looking again if you ever listen to this shit you really came through in the clutch but um basically i got an upgrade or you know free up you got the hook up if you will uh and i got hooked up with a cadillac suv uh, mid-size SUV. I'm, I'm not trying to drive an Escalade, but <laughs> uh it was really nice, really comfortable. And so, you know, as we're driving along, it was in the middle of winter uh, in Washington, D.C. So as we're driving along, I realized, like, ooh, this thing has a heated steering wheel. Ooh, you know, I'm, I'm feeling the luxury, feeling the leather, feeling all good. And, um, You know, that was my first time driving a car with a heated steering wheel, and my wife and I, we were talking about, you know, that, like, different—I forgot how we got into the conversation, but about the difference between, like, priorities and innovation in America and what what is a priority and things like that, and, um— uh, you know, I was, expl- we were talking about bathroom. That's what I think we got started because we were talking about bathrooms. And like, for me, sorry, America, Americans' bathrooms suck compared to like a Japan. the comfort, convenience, and just overall accommodation you get in a Japanese bathroom. If you're talking about the quality of the toilet, you're talking about the waterproof bath, you're talking about just whatever you want to, whatever level you want to get to, it just blows American bathrooms out of the water. I'm sorry, it just does. Right. And, and so like I was kind of explaining that, you know, and she was like, "Why? Why, you know, America's like a really the 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 top economy in the world. Why not? Why don't like Americans like taste, put any priority in in bathrooms?" And I was like, I thought about it for a second. I was like, "Well, my opinion, but I think, you know, um a bathroom is more seen as a utility. In the West is not so much As as an as important part Of your everyday life It's a necessity You know But in Japan Taking a bath Is more Of a part of The lifestyle here You know It's something You don't just do Because you have to It's a part of your day Where you choose To unwind and enjoy And you know Really quality time Sometimes it's a Community time Between parents And kids as well Like you know Parents take baths With their kids Brothers and sisters Take baths together Far older than you would in the west and you know she was like well that's weird like why y'all um you know don't give a fuck about well she didn't say it like that but that's how i say it (laughs) she's like why don't y'all why don't you why don't y'all give a fuck about bathrooms but y'all care enough to have like heated steering wheels and i was like huh Well, it's just priority, you know. In the West, is more of a driving culture, so the experience when you're driving a car is much more important than than the experience of taking a bath. So shit like that, right? And yeah, like that. That just that's just a side anecdote. If you hadn't if you haven't heard me talk about that before, that's just a way of approaching Japan as you come here, but. Um, the way different types of technologies, like the reason why I talked about like bathroom technology, like a toilet. If you haven't been on a Japanese Toho toilet, oh, a Toto, sorry, not Toto or Toto? It's Toto, what am I talking about? Um, if you haven't been on a Toto toilet, oh my goodness, you are not living. <laughs> like that thing is like a rocket ship, man. It'll take you, blast your ass to the. <laughs> blast your ass to the moon (laughs) what what I mean by that is you know you have like it's heated you've got this control panel you've got you know cleaning action you've got a freaking uh, you know um, freaking uh odor diffuser i don't even know how it works and some some of them are remote controlled it's mounted on the wall and you got like it's just all types of gadgets and stuff that you can just fuck around with like you know to make your toilet pooping experience a, a lot more pleasurable you know and it's sorry it's true like you know and when i first came here i was like something spring water up my butt i ain't trying to have that like you know, hey, hey, you know, you can say what you want, call me what you want, but you know, you wipe your butt by sprinkling water up there, so you're just doing the same thing in the toilet, and it's a totally different experience um it just helps like you know (laughs) call me what you want say what you want but it it just really does help and you know just overall like stepping on like sitting on like a heated toilet seat that's already hot warm in the middle of winter is totally different than like you know a cold toilet seat on the cold floor and like even if you have those little like if your house has those little like carpet toilet seat covers like those things always freak me out too because i'm thinking like what kind of poop residue is all over those things it's just Ew. you know but but japanese companies really the point of this whole toilet related ramble is like rant is that japanese companies take lots of time to actually think about those things and develop them and the interesting part part about it which i was explaining to um, my wife one another time sorry about bumping the mic um my phone um sorry about that but um A few years ago, I remember, too, we were watching a show and they were talking about like the ticket gates here, you know, for the train station and and the guy who invented them and uh, stuff like that. And, you know, how he was like figuring it out and trying to figure out and he and one basically one guy found a way to like, you know, um, make the ticket machine in Japan kind of accept tickets at a really high rate. And it was like the highest rate in the world. And I was explaining to her, like, looking at it, I was just, like, shaking my head, like, oh, this is Japan. And she was like, what? And I was like, well, for me, the way I see it, if it was America, that dude who invented that thing would be filthy rich right now. Because if he thought about how to do it, he would probably quit his job, make his own company, create the, you know, get the idea patent it and then he'd be like a multimillionaire, you know, and he he people like, how did you make your money? Well, I invented the little ticket thing that, you know, accepts tickets all fast. It, that's what happens in the West a lot. But I was like, probably knowing Japan, that dude is probably still working for his company getting. He got like a little bit of a raise, but he, you know, he's like a manager somewhere, you know, and his claim to fame in the company is doing that. But it probably he probably goes to work and works in nine to five or nine to nine, you know, knowing how Japan is. Uh, And just doing the same thing. Like, that's the difference between the countries. So um, this kind of, like, in that kind of microculture within companies uh, is how things are. I, I think if I remember, I heard one of my students or a person I taught before said that, yeah, like, you know, Japanese people really take pride on or are very meticulous and take pride on doing things very, very well, you know, into the point of perfecting things. And I think, for me too, like, I get the feeling like Japanese people are better at perfecting things instead of making new things, if you will. So, um, like, Japan didn't really invent, to my knowledge, didn't invent the railway, but they made the best railway system in the world, you know. And I believe um, nobody has died on a, on a high speed, like the bullet train in Japan, I think no one has died on a bullet train crash ever in Japan I believe or in 50 something years it's been something crazy like that and just the amount of trains like one bullet train passes like where I'm at like every 10 minutes and just to imagine like nobody's died in that in like 50 something years is crazy but the flip side of that is what happens is you know companies and innovations kind of self-contained and a lot of times people think about I'm going to make this great product but don't really think Think through how to sell it And there's a bunch of shit I see advertised here By a lot of big companies I'm just like who the fuck is gonna buy that Like you know what I mean yeah it's cool But yo no one's gonna buy that shit Like w- but you sp- I know you spent like poured so much money Into making and innovating This this, this bullshit ass thing And no it's useless A good ind- A good um, A good indication of that Or a good um What's the word? Example, sorry. A good example of that for me is the cell phone. Cell phones, right? Um... Before smartphones came out Japan was kind of like The world leader in cell phone technology Like when I came here You know I'd take my Japanese cell phone Back to America And people were like Oh my gosh what is that Like look at it It's like a transformer Oh it's got TV It's got a flipping out camera And oh shit Like it was it was just amazing It was you know Every time people would just be like Yo where'd you get that phone I'm like yo You know it's that Tokyo stuff I got that from Japan man I'm living out there You know how it is And people would be like Oh, you know, I go walk past the cell phone place and looking at this stuff, man, that's some bullshit. I got this Tokyo with me, you know, but um, <laughs> but but once. But, you know, it's like it's called Galapagos Syndrome, um, this kind of a Japanese term where, you know, Japan is such an isolated island, similar like the Galapagos Islands, that a lot of technology gets so hyper specialized that it's just completely useless outside of Japan, you know, or even on the whole, uh, on, the, on the whole, to be honest with you. And what I, I found is like once the transition was made into smartphones uh, here in Japan. Uh, probably uh, exactly around 2011, I believe, is is when the iPhone four dropped because that was whenever the iPhone four dropped. I believe it was 2011. Um, that was the moment where Japan said, "Okay, we fuck with smartphones." And from that point on, not even we fuck with smartphones; we fuck with iPhones, basically. Um, and the culture shifted completely away from those highly, highly overly specialized cell phones to. Um, to iPhones, basically, like iPhone, Apple has like a fifty about a fifty percent market share in the smart smartphone market here. Uh, let me give you an example. Uh, let me see if I can find. Let me see what comes up if I just Japan cell phone two thousand five. I mean, fuck. It seems like so. Well, it is so long ago now. But if you just go back and pull up. Uh, And yeah, if you just Google, all I did was just Googled uh, Google Images for Japan Cell Phone 2005, right? And if you just look at, scroll down and look at, yeah, like I can look at one of these phones. Like, this is one of the phones I had when I came here. And just look at uh, a lot of them. You know, you'll, of course, if you're younger, it looks like fucking Weirdsville to you. It's just crazy. But, oh my gosh, I remember, oh shit, I remember this phone. I'm not. <laughs> I remember this phone. Fo- I'm not going to say on here how I remember this phone, but I remember meeting someone who had this exact phone. Wow. And <laughs> anyway, sorry, I got a flashback looking at this back to my wilder days. But, um,. But yeah, if you if you just look at some of the two thousand four, two thousand five, two thousand six, you know and some of the features like the TV and the in the widescreen shit and all this, you know, crazy stuff. You know, this was what was going on back then. Um, but but once we changed over to um, smartphones, those companies got left in the dust, and they kept, kept trying to keep make all these. And they still do. They still pump out these bullshit ass like specialized phones with like all these features that no one gives a fuck about, and. Most people don't, are not buying them because, you know, it doesn't. It's it's just like one huge. Few, it's basically like one feature that everyone's like, like the company. For me, like these, a lot of innovation goes like this. It'll be like one feature that's that the company's like, ooh, look at this, boom. Our XYZ, whatever product, for example, our smartphone does this, you know, and that's their whole sales pitch. Like, ooh, our smartphone screen is like this, bam, and like, that's it, you know, or ooh, our washing machine does this, boom, and like, that's how they try and, that's how they sell people. Or that's how they were able to sell people, you know, in the past because Japan was ahead in innovation and things like that. But the world is changing and globalization has really taken a big toll on how the products are sold and marketed and things like that. And so there's a, a larger influx of, even though Japan's economy is still kind of blocked, there's much more access to a wider variety of products from outside of Japan. And we can get information a lot more readily. So bullshit like a, a $16,000 AI folding laundry machine, a laundry folding machine doesn't fucking, that doesn't even, that didn't even fucking work, you know? Um, it's crazy. And, like, there were a lot of large-scale investors. It, read the article. It was a lot of large... Like, big companies, well-known companies here in Japan actually invested in this bullshit. And, like, <laughs> like Panasonic invested in this shit. And you could just be like, really? Like, can I have $50,000? <laughs> because, you know, I can sell you a dream, too. But they really thought this would be the next thing. This thing is huge. It's like a fucking refrigerator. And just to fold your clothes, and I think I read in the article, it takes like an hour to fold a load of laundry, it takes five minutes to fold a shirt, but, you know, um, they had this crazy laundry folding technology that they were so focused on, boom, it folds, you know, and this is the result, you know, so, it just, this, it's, it's, a, it's a funny story, but it, I just, um, wanted to bring it up on a more serious note to let you know that this is this type of sometimes bullshit happens and is is a byproduct of business culture here in japan and if you're stepping foot into japan that's something you need to know like if you work for a company and you're like hey dude this is some bullshit like now you gotta just keep your mouth closed and rock with it because you know you might have to go with the people off the cliff you know if you're in that situation but again just just something to be aware of it it really does go both ways sometimes i'm really thankful that the company that a company has taken the time out to be to overly innovate a product you know just just it's the point of overkill cuz i enjoy it as, as a consumer but at the same time i look sometimes i'll go through a, a department store and see the exact same type of product and be like That's nice, but I ain't buying that shit. Who gonna buy that shit? So, you know, if I get it for free, if I use it for free, great. If they expect me to pay for it, fuck that. You know, so that's how I take it. But um, just understand that that's um, part of what you'll experience by living in Japan. Mm, That was a pretty good, sizable rant. Yay, hopefully you got something out of that. So I want to move on to something else. The next article that I have for everyone is... Uh, Australian tourists arrested over... Australian tourists arrested over... uh, What's wrong with me? Okay, Australian tourists arrested over graffiti around uh, Kamogawa River in Kyoto. Now, here's the deal, right? Uh, And this is from Japan today. And this this story broke a, a little while ago. The tagger, some tagger named Ghost... Whoever the fuck this motherfucker is like the Australian tagger. Now, I'm not going to single Australian people out, but this is the second time an Australian person has caught coming to Japan on some graffiti bullshit. Right. My personal stance on graffiti. Excuse me. And and I've said this before um, on here is look, I'm from, you know, Washington, D.C., born and raised in the city 80s and 90s. Graffiti was everywhere Cool Disco Dan tags all, all over the city You know and a whole bunch of other shit People from DC know what I'm talking about If you don't google Cool Disco Disco Dan You'll see what it, what it's all about But like that tag was all over the city Graffiti was all over the city You know if you're from like inner city around my age group You have kind of know what I'm talking about I'm totally cool with graffiti I'm not cool with graffiti in Japan Like for a few different reasons um first one like for me as an inner city kid graffiti i did see graffiti as a way of like expression self-expression of people who mean like people like me who really were kind of marginalized felt very disenfranchised really never had the chance to go downtown you know that much really didn't feel felt out of place downtown like um you know, like, you, you felt a little bit, like, closeted off, especially during that time before the internet and things like that. So seeing different graffiti all over the city and seeing different tags and different art and seeing people express themselves, I got a thrill out of it. I was like, oh, damn, look at that. Oh, damn, look at that. It was really cool, and it was a part of my culture growing up. Here in Japan, that's just not part of the culture here. Even if you into hip-hop here, you know... Doing graffiti in your own way Or doing it as an art form Is totally cool But tagging up a fucking shop man Like tagging up like a fucking You know storefront and shit like that It just doesn't really match With the culture here at all And I'm not really with it Personally You know like I think there's a lot Like people who love graffiti And people who love that culture There are so, there are ways that you can get it done You know here Like you can have a dude with a shop like you can you know you can have an art exhibition here you can you like there's so many we've talked about subcultures here before there's you can actually have a graffiti art exhibition a graffiti art studio here and people would probably support that shit who are really into hip-hop you don't have to fucking tag up some fucking old dude's shop that with some ugly fucking graffiti too i mean if you're going through the graffiti make it look good man like the like 90 percent of the graffiti i see here is ugly as shit like i can't draw for shit i'm like fuck that looks Like I did it, you know. So that's my big thing about graffiti here, from people domestically doing it here, right? Foreign people coming into Japan, like, come on, man, this is not like, you know. I, I think previously, I when we were talking, oh, was I talking about that in a previous episode? Um, well, I don't know if I talked about it the previous episode, but I don't really like the idea of foreign people trying to export their culture. Into Japan Like push it So much And To f- just You know To fly over here And just like Tag up like Kyoto I mean if you wanted to do that shit In Shibuya Or Shinjuku I might be like okay, But dude You going to Kyoto Just to fucking Tag up some shit Like Whoever you are You a asshole for that man Like Kyoto is like One of the most traditional cities here, is Ju- Is I'd say the mecca Of traditional Japan And Just to Have the arrogance To just run around Doing that it is just really r- ridiculous and you know the dude of course he was arrested like off the break because anyone sees you doing graffiti here it's like what the fuck are you doing like you know and they just going to swarm you so I'm really happy the person got caught um and hopefully it discourages any other people from doing it a person tagged trains i think a few years ago and it's just like The trains here are so clean the train here is is so punctual it's like why would you do that like it's gonna it gets cleaned off in like two seconds anyway but it, it just makes it like that's just one of the things like again people who live here aren't running around tagging graffiti all over the place but you know someone who's just coming here on vacation is like yo i'm a graffiti artist i'm just going you know playing my flag in japan like come on man Like, come on, there's a lot of other different outlets for you here besides doing some shit like that. So, if you come here, please don't do no bullshit like that. Because people who live here aren't doing it. So, why would you think you can do it? Like, you know, and think it will be cool. Like, it just just isn't. And that's not me talking like some square dude, like, you know, who's like, fuck graffiti. You know, no, like, I really like graffiti. You know, I can't do graffiti, but I really like graffiti. But... It just doesn't make sense here. And, you know, people are not going to understand it. People are not going to respect it. And you're just basically making a disturbance for no reason. So, because for me, that doesn't really match with what, for me, graffiti represents. So, um, if you, you know, hopefully even to one person who's, who's considering coming here and might want to just tag up, just don't do it, man. It's just really, you're just looking kind of stupid. That's how I feel about it. You can, you can disagree with me if you want. If you live here, you disagree with me what you want, but that's just how I feel about it. So, all right. So that's that. Uh, So now final one. Oh, well, I get Get this thing going again if you do disagree with me on anything please give me a shout at questions for at gmail.com or japan according to akil on instagram on ig my ig's blowing up eh, not really <laughs> ig's not going anywhere <laughs> i'm really busy with my other work and stuff like that so uh, i just don't have time for it but um, i'm trying i'm trying people again I'm re- i really am but uh okay so, last time on the previous episode, if you remember, we talked about the first kind of subtitle, uh, or, or section of this article. Again, the article is titled, um, What It's Like to Experience Reverse Culture Shock After Leaving Japan, and it's on SavvyTokyo.com, S-A-B-B-Y-Tokyo.com. And, um, yeah, so the first one was people are typically more polite, uh, but Americans are friendlier. Go back and listen to the previous episode if you want if you are a new listener and want to know what I said about that. Uh I like the gif in the second section. Political and social the next one's political and social engagements are way more intense in the US and this is so true. <laughs> like like uh let me take some water for the before I deal with this. Uh Mm. This is so true. I talk to my students about this quite a bit as well. Um, being Being with native English speakers takes a lot more out of me when I go back to America. I think that's why after two weeks in America, I'm like, dude, I'm good. I'm just ready to get the fuck out of here and come back to Japan. Because I love my family. I love my friends and stuff like that. But after a couple of weeks, I am like... Exhausted because the pace of a conversation, the pace of everyday life in America is just a lot more intense. Like people are a lot more emotional, you know, um, and express their emotions outwardly and openly a lot more. There's more of a clash of opinions, clash of emotions that goes on in everyday life. You know, I'll just say in America and probably in Western culture, then that happens in Japan, right? Generally, those kind of clashes of opinion are. Very few and far between when you live here If anything, it's the complete opposite um, If you know shame is, is one of the uh, Shame and obligation are, are two of my my um, big motivators for life here in Japan So, you know, if there is uh, some type of conflict People feel obligated to kind of Either obligated to concede to the other person Or shamed that they're kind of uh, standing out in giving, putting their needs or opinions ahead of others, in many different situations. So a lot of times, the person, this might be, this might be Amazon coming for me. We'll see if the doorbell rings. I might have to stop this. Um, but um, so a lot of times, um, the more honorable thing to do is concede. In if if you, there's a clash of opinions, in a lot of different situ, in a lot of different situations here. But in the West, it's a complete opposite, right? You gotta fight for your opinion, speak up for yourself. Is kind of what you're really taught to do. Um, and so even if you're hanging out with people you really, really get along with, you're constantly going back and forth, you know, um, debating or, or 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 strongly giving your opinion and stuff like that. And which in the moment is really fun. But over the for me, over the a longer period of time, like after I have those quiet moments to myself, like I'm like, <sighs> You know, it's like I just like ran a fucking marathon now because I don't really have as much time to think and to be within my own thoughts and within my own head as I do here, even if I'm in a group or around a lot of other people. So, um, because generally people are moving as one here more. It's like, you know, it's like being at like a fucking rock concert versus like swimming with a school of fish, right? Like it's a totally different vibe. Your energy is totally different. And when being with a group of people in Japan is more like swimming with a school of fish. You're more or or, you know, a flock of birds flying together. You're just going to move together generally as one just naturally um to to for the most part. But in in, in the west, you're going to kind of do your own thing uh and and yeah so it is i mean i'm not saying one is better than the other but the energy is different and for me at my age and just like how i have just the past like almost 15 years now i'm just accustomed to swimming with the fish so i remember what it's like to be in the fucking rock concert but you know and i enjoy it sometimes over the long term i like fucking swimming with the fish i mean you know like that's kind of what just what I'm more comfortable with. And I've seen it when this time going back to America, I've seen it just in some of my interactions with people. Um, Sometimes I kind of take a step back and be like, huh, I wonder why this is like, I mean, I enjoy everyone I met back when I was in the States. Don't get me wrong. I just, a few seconds, I was like, huh, this feels different for some reason, you know? And I remember being conscious of it, you know, like kind of, I'm, 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 working to kind of keep up with the conversation but even if i do sometimes i'm still the quiet person in the conversation i was like huh i wonder why and i think it was kind of made me realize oh yeah i guess you have kind of changed a bit you know the way i talk to people it's like yeah oh, it's not so important if i talk or, oh, okay yeah your opinion might be right sometimes like of course i'm a lot more you know assertive in america than i am in japan but even with that i still could feel myself at times like being a lot indifferent to you know, winning a point or stuff like that Or, you know, like Hey, whatever we want to do is cool with me Kind of thing It's kind of interesting it's, it's, it's a really interesting dynamic And one that coming into Japan You might uh, struggle with a bit And um, and or if you're coming here for business um, You know, pushing Finding that nobody I, I, I reverse have to teach students this That you know um you as a foreign Person going to a meeting like winning the Point is not winning the argument a lot of times And again in the first episode I talked about the Wall of pillows here in Japan that You know people will not will hesitate Or maybe not even you know or not want to Openly disagree with you Um because they don't want to Like you know cause a fuss and things like That so um But generally speaking the more you Push your opinion in a group of Japanese people The more you distance yourself from the group Right so um Just in the beginning, you know, be more conscious of having a soft hand with people is what I will recommend for you to do coming here. And, you know, until especially until you learn the nuances of uh, interactions here in Japan, it'll just help you blend in with a group uh, a lot easier. So, okay. next one. This is true, too. Drinking isn't a staple of every social function as it is in Japan. So true. Right. I think for a few different reasons. Uh, I can just think of a couple off the top of my head. One, safety, right? Um, In Japan, uh, it's such a safe country, generally speaking. So you don't really have to worry so much about or be so cognizant of your surroundings when you are drinking here. Like, you can just be... You can just like have lots of drinks and not really worry about, you know, walking home by yourself in the dark and in the alley and someone jumping you, taking your wallet or shit like that. You know, or if you're a woman, someone trying to do something to you. You don't have to generally worry about that as much. Two, transportation this is a, this is not a driving society, you know, this is not a car share society, you're not gonna get a fucking Uber here when you come here, just, I'm sorry, you gotta get used to it, right, so, so you're gonna, this is a train society, train, maybe bus society, depending on where you live, so, um, you know, maybe even bicycle. So you're going to be generally getting home by train, by, by bicycle, so you, by bus, so you don't have to worry about how much you drink. So you don't have to worry about crime. You don't have to worry about how much you drink. And just generally speaking, going back to the previous point I said before, because people are generally hesitate to kind of openly speak their opinions and things like that, alcohol here is seen as more of a social lubricant that really like helps get, you know people to loosen up and say what, say how they feel or open up a bit sometimes maybe too fucking much like you'll see people just turn up and they'll just turn way the fuck up here and you're just like whoa dude you just went from zero to like 250 like real fast you know (laughs) that happens sometimes here too and it can get kind of awkward depending on the people that you're rolling with is this that delivery i think it is Uh uh-huh my dog popped up out of nowhere, so I think. Hold on, the doorbell might ring in a second. Second, if it does, I might have to. Okay, nothing. okay. Sorry about that. Um, if the doorbell rings suddenly, I'll just like pause and, and go get this package. But, um, but, but yeah, so, uh, just be cognizant of that. If you don't drink in Japan, hmm i don't know what to tell you <laughs> no no no. i mean not drinking is fine here it does i would say still um be willing if, if you can't again if it's for religious reasons or things like that like don't put yourself in an uncomfortable situation but if you don't mind going out uh and you don't drink my advice would be tell the people Beforehand, right? Do that. Please do that. Don't fucking go to like an izakaya with people, you know, and be and they like ordering drinks. You go, Oh, I don't drink. Don't fucking do that. Don't be that person, right? Because people just don't really know how to handle sudden changes like the to, to the normal social expectations. But if you're invited out, you know, I would advise you to ask the person, Hey, I don't drink. Is that okay? And generally, they'll be like, "Yeah, yeah, that's fine." So before you go there, what will pro- what will generally happen is, for example, let's say you go with a group of coworkers or something like that. Right? Let's say you go with a group of coworkers, um, and for the first time, generally, if they invite you out, you know, they're expecting you to go out and drink with them. If you go out to an izakaya, you know, a typical place to drink, and or, if you don't know what Izakaya it is, it's a traditional Japanese style restaurant. Um, but it's also a place where you can drink quite a bit. Right? Sit so down, you know, eat, and drink, which is kind of common. Now, if you go there and they start ordering and you're like yeah i'll have like a ginger ale people will kind of be like oh what the fuck you know (laughs) you know and they'll kind of be weirded out a little bit because they're going to want to like drink beer and stuff like that but if you let the the person who invited you know beforehand what happened remember a lot of stuff happens around you behind the scenes they'll say oh sure no problem then they can go back and tell all the other people hey you know xyz is coming they don't drink and then everyone will okay everyone got it and they know what to expect of you in that situation you know in the and they'll be able to care for you in the context of that situation it might sound weird it might sound completely unnecessary but it's so true and it's so important for the group dynamic of that situation another important thing which i haven't really talked about i don't think is when you if you go out with japanese people everyone shares dishes this is the number one faux pas i see for a lot of foreign people do is when they go out with a group of japanese people like so i've seen it happen uh, several times i might have done it like my first time or two going out with japanese people like you go out with a group of japanese people you go to an izakaya you look at the menu and they say, hey what do you want you'll look at the menu see one dish that you want hey i'll have the pasta the pasta comes and you sit there with your plate of pasta only for you and you eat it by yourself that is a huge faux pas in japan japanese people will look around like oh what the fuck do we do people share dishes here like you have to really understand it's a community aspect a community culture like sitting there with um like your plate of pasta eating it all, eating a whole thing by yourself or ordering like a big beer I mean, like, like a, a glass or a jug or, or something like one drink is fine, but generally in izakaya's beers come in, like, larger bottles. Um, so, like, if you order, like, a larger bottle of beer and just sit there pouring your own drink and drinking it by yourself, that's we, it's, that's the equivalent of going to a house party. Turning your turning around, facing the corner and drinking a beer by yourself with your head in the corner for the whole fucking room. That's what you're doing. People are looking around like, what the fuck do we do with this person? Shit, because sharing dishes like you're going to have a small plate, you're going to order the large dish and you're going to have several smaller plates around you and people will share, serve each other. You know, serving yourself is kind of rude. You're supposed to offer and try to serve other people, you know, or people will try to serve you, allow people to, to, to serve you. Um, is an important part of Japanese culture. Another important tip that I I learned after a while of being here, you're never supposed to pour your own drink, right? Um, So let's say, again, let's go back to drinking beer. Hopefully you're old enough to drink. You're drinking beer with people in a izakaya. Generally speaking, like if if your glass is empty and no one fills it up, that's kind of like a faux pas on their part. But if you want some more beer, what I... it's, It's... the complete reverse of what you would typically do where grab the grab the bottle and pour yourself some no don't do that shit okay what you what you would do is grab the bottle and offer it to someone else right it's the again just do the opposite of your natural instinct offering a drink to someone else hey you want some more you know the, the person next to you or near you of course if their glass is totally fucking full don't do that shit but you know if someone Near you is like, or in your general vicinity has like a half, about half a glass. And you can just offer them some more, and then that puts them on notice that, and then they'll take it from you and pour some for you. Like that's kind of what happens. But generally speaking, experienced drinkers will kind of be—you're always looking left, looking right, and seeing if a person is, you know, getting low. Uh, one, one about a, if they're down to like a quarter of a glass, you need to grab that beer and pour it for them. It can be a little bit annoying, but when in Rome, right? All right. Uh, <clears throat> Let's see. What are we doing on time? Ooh. Hmm. Next one. Oh, this is. This goes back to my previous point. Public transportation and facilities are much better in Japan. So much better. A public toilet, jeez. An elevator, jeez. Like, every time I step into an elevator, like, there's no piss. It doesn't smell like piss in here. This is fantastic. Like, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Seriously, seriously. You just have no idea. Um, That's one of the things I love about living here. Like, you, you know, if there is, like, one empty... Uh, can on the floor or a piece of trash it stands out like a sore thumb like it really does so um just enjoy that there's really not that much to say about that here um yeah it's just true it's just a fact of living here um uh the next one not a single person cares that i speak japanese um there's really not that much to say about that um yeah, because... I mean, here, Japanese people... Ah, uh, okay, okay, okay. I know what I can say about this. The reverse of that is in Japan, everyone seems like they care that you speak Japanese, right? So, don't let Japanese people blow your head up. If you learn a few words of Japanese, you can say konnichiwa or something, people will go, Oh, your Japanese is so good. That's just really a uh, insincere comment. Like, <laughs> it's an empty comment. Like... You will be surprised, like, when you learn a few words of Japanese, how many people will tell you your Japanese is so good. Two things I would recommend. One, don't let it blow your head up like, oh, thanks, you know, I got this shit down. One, don't do that, okay? (laughs) And two, don't be cynical about it and be like, what? What are you talking about? No, I don't know. Don't do either one of these. Just accept the compliment and know that it's, you know, it's a part of the culture here of you know the appearance of uh, appearances the surface is very important here so uh the person kind of some people are actually surprised that you can speak any japanese but kind of congratulating someone on doing something is kind of a part of the culture here so it's not they're not being condescending or anything like that and so, I would say don't be condescending with them either. It's just like a natural reflex for a lot of people. You know, if you do something kind of surprising to them. So, um, even me now, like the level of Japanese I can speak, you know, again, my grammar's shit, but, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty good Japanese speaker. Um, people, if people are like, oh, your Japanese is so good, like, yeah, 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 no, no, no. Um, and I really believe that. Like, I know there are still holes in my Japanese. Like, I haven't been studying for, like, well over five years. So, So, you know, Uh, that's my one big advice. I went through both phases where after I learned a few words, everyone was telling me that. And I was like, yes, I am the king of Japanese. And then uh, after I learned a little bit more, I'm like, what What are you talking about? I can't really speak Japanese. Okay, chill out, dog. Come on, relax. Relax, dog. That's my co-host for the day. (laughs) Um, The article goes on a bit more about dealing with culture shock. Um... what can I say about dealing with... I'll kind of wrap this episode. We're at 45 minutes. So I'll kind of wrap this episode up with... Um, well, the article is about dealing with reverse culture shock. But I can get, I'll try and give some advice about dealing with the culture shock here. Um, probably my number one piece of advice, if you experience something that's real big culture shock here, don't lash out. Don't act out You know, immediately. Um, if you can, hold in your initial reaction. That's what I tend to do. I hold in my initial reaction and it helps me assess the situation and how I should react more. Generally speaking, in the West, we more react, we respond verbally, maybe even physically, a lot faster. You you have to, you know, in a lot of situations, you know what I'm saying, in Western culture. But here's kind of the complete opposite. People don't really make sudden movements. People don't really speak openly or loudly or, or, you know, suddenly or strongly in everyday life here. Um, So doing that really makes you stick out like a sore thumb and can be really shocking for a lot of people. And in many cases, people might not even realize that they're doing something you're uncomfortable with. Um, if, you know, so sometimes if the person can speak English or if you can speak Japanese, I've had to kind of, you know, pull them to the side and explain things to them. But I tend to try and do it in a level headed way, not in like with anger or malice or things like that. Because again, if someone does something that, um, really upsets you and you lash out with them with anger, you kind of, the dynamic kind of changes a bit. And I, I've noticed this happens quite a bit. You go from, hey, this is my buddy or the person I know, X, Y, Z, to become Japanese person versus foreign person. It The dynamic quickly switches like that. You get called out by being, not literally called out, but pointed out as being a foreign person very much when you do those type of things and you know so how to kind of deal with those situations it is a bit of a balancing act and it it's one of the things you kind of have to learn to deal to navigate living here but if you can do it gracefully it looks positively upon you as being a foreign person you know and uh, if a person does do something completely rude and you handle it gracefully but you know still put the person on notice you also look, shine positively With the other Japanese people Because they'll be like, oh yeah, that person's kind of weird And makes the Japanese person look quite negative So, but If a Japanese person does something negative to you And you lash out negatively Then you're in that, that's the Japanese side And you're the foreign side And you're doing something completely like, what the fuck is going on You know, you turn into like a wild animal Or something like that, right Like, sorry, that's what it is Like, that's the hand that we're dealt by living in this country So, um yeah, that's probably my advice for you. If you're put in uncomfortable positions uh, in the moment, just kind of ride it out in either the per- after the fact or a different time, you know, or even if you have a chance, pu- pull the person to the side and calmly explain to them what's going on with you is probably the best way to handle it. If, if if you can possibly do that, basically, if you, if you can avoid, remember here, if you can avoid uh, conflict, do it i'm not telling you to like hold shit that you don't like inside or do anything like that but pick your spots right pick how you do it and um that's one of the tips that will help you navigate and move smoothly and advance in this culture quite a bit uh a lot better in my opinion okay all right so i'm gonna wrap things up there boom we got like a 50 minute episode pretty good stuff pretty good stuff right um Yeah, so that's pretty much all I got for you guys today. I'm going to go, I'm going to chill out for a little bit and then do some more work. So thanks again for listening. Uh, Anchor people, thanks again for listening. I'm really happy. I'm seeing the numbers of the podcast go up a bit more um, since shifting to Anchor. So I'm really happy about that. We're in a few more platforms. Ah, wait one second. I wanted to give a shout out to one area. Um, because on anchor, I'm I'm noticed. Let me let me log in. So give me one second uh, before we leave here. Um, one second, one second, one second, one second, one second. I don't know if it's one person or a group of people. Uh, if you guys are, please, if 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 you if it's a group of y'all, please, uh, I I, I would say hit me up at um, questions for at gmail dot com, uh, just so that I know who you are. And I can, um, you know, it will be nice to just touch base and, and let you know I appreciate you. Give me one second. Give me one second to log in. And I can see. Go to my analytics. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> so, there's one location I noticed in California. Uh, it's a city called Mountain View, California. Right? Mountain View, I wanted to give you all a shout out. Since I've changed the Anchor, I don't know if there's one person in Mountain View listening Or a group of y'all, maybe one person might have found out about the podcast and recommended it to their friends. If so, again, thank you so much. You can either hit me up at uh, Japan According to Akil on IG or at questionsforakil at gmail.com. All one word. Spelled out how it normally is Um, I'd like to hear from you guys Um, If not, it's cool, totally cool with me Um, But I just noticed like There was a lot of After joining Anchor, a lot of the new listeners Came from that area So, you know, just wanted to give y'all some love And say thanks a lot I really appreciate you guys listening Um, A few people in California California love up in this thing Calabasas um, La, La Habra Never, sorry. Unfortunately, I've, I have not been to California yet in my life because of um, I fucking came to Japan at <laughs> 22, so I never really traveled that much inside the states. But I just before I left, I just wanted to say thank you guys for listening. Hope you keep listening. Keep recommending me to your friends. Keep living your life. <laughs> All right, man. Let me get let me get out of here. All right, that's it for this week. I'll I'll see you next time around, y'all. Have a good week. Peace.